What if you were born with a disease that you always knew would kill you? And then what if all of a sudden you were given a second chance? Well, that's exactly what happened to me. And it's the question that we explore on the new podcast series, Breathless from Snack Labs. Join me, Jeremy Saunders, for a series that explores what it means to live and die, to love and to lose, and what it's like to have your whole life turned upside down and the unexpected challenges that come with a life-saving drug. You can listen to Breathless now, wherever you get your podcasts. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Dr. Jessica Wood is a research specialist with the Sex Information Education Council of Canada, or CCAN. Jessica is a repeat guest on TMO, and in our first conversation back in June 2020, we talked about sex and COVID safety. But this week, we're catching up with Dr. Wood's latest research on consensual non-monogamy, and more specifically, sexual motivations and relational outcomes. You'll hear consensual non-monogamy referred to as CNM in this conversation, just to clear up any confusion. And also, in these days of Zoom recordings, you may notice some glitchy sound here and there, but the content is great, so happy listening, and we'll see you on the other side. Okay, today we are rejoined by Jessica Wood. Um, God, I mean, the last time we sat down with you would have been like we were on early Prince Island. That's all days, I remember. No, I was it lockdown? Was it during lockdown? Yeah, really? I think no, no, so. no, no, no. Was it? It, was, it was early on. It was quite mm-hmm. early on in the pandemic. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. I remember being like straight up in a in like a hibernation mode, like, like, like 
still wiping down groceries with Lysol mm. days. Right. You know, like the You're days where we were the- like, I think we're all going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so the memory of you is associated with Lysol wipes. Is yeah, what Jeremy that's, is yeah, that's right. I'm getting flashbacks to the scent of, of lemon Lysol. Um, uh, but, uh, last time we talked to you, we were doing an episode about, uh, some research that was, uh, being done between CCAN and in partnership with Trojan and, and it was really fascinating. And again, today we are going to dive deep into the world of sex research, which is something that I've really been enjoying on the show. Whenever we get an opportunity to speak to someone who is much smarter than I am about sex and, uh, and from a research perspective, it's always really fascinating. Um, and Bridie, you're swimming in notes here. Yeah, I, I I got really into this. So I printed off pages, all the pages of your study. And I haven't done my research literacy class yet at school. I'm back in school right now. Um, it, but I reading this made me really excited for the for the skill of reading. What would you call this? Like journal like scientific journal material yeah, yes research articles <laughs> yeah so awesome. you, smart yeah. people words is yeah. how i would put it <laughs> like well like the remember back in elementary school when we when we learned how to do outlines <laughs> yeah for essays yeah. it's it's got all the it's got all the all the fixings it's got all of them <laughs> um so yeah jessica this is is this so I'm just going to read you the titles of the documents I'm holding in my hand, just so everybody can be confronted with. We can, we can all start with the same level of confusion, yeah, and yeah, then, yeah, 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 and yeah. then work our way to uh, understanding. So I have one document here um, from the Archives of Sexual Behavior uh, called "Motivations for Engaging in Consensually Non-Monogamous Relationships." It sounds pretty straightforward. Then I have another one here from the Journal of Social and Personal Relationships. And the title is Reasons for Sex and Relational Outcomes in Consensually Non-Monogamous and Monogamous Relationships, a Self-Determination Theory Approach, which I hope Whoa. we're going to hear more about that because I keep reading self-determination theory a lot in these papers. And then the last one is from uh, a journal called Plus One. And the title is A Dyadic Examination of Self-Determined Sexual Motives, Need Fulfillment, and Relational Outcomes among consensually non-monogamous partners. Oh my God, what a mouthful. I know. So what? <laughs> what's all, what? How are is, you not perpetually confused? <laughs> do you the use these do? words on I, a daily basis? I, I think I am perpetually confused. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things I'm perpetually confused about. Um, so this is um, a, a couple of different studies that I did when I was at the University of Guelph and York University during my um, PhD and my postdoc. And, you know, you can kind of see the theme of consensual non-monogamy, relationship mm-hmm. satisfaction, and motivation throughout all three of these. They differ in, in a couple of different ways, and I'll go through those shortly. But generally, I was very curious about, I mean, just generally why people do what they do, especially when people are doing things that you know, go against kind of our relational norms um, that, you know, they may have to work through some stigma uh, to get to in order to feel more fulfilled or feel more authentic in their lives. And how are these things related to satisfaction in relationships and well-being? Um, and yeah, so that's kind of thinking about overarching what I was interested in. 
So the first study you mentioned looks, it's a qualitative study. So asking people like to just write in their thoughts and then analyzing those thoughts and those words and asking them like, why are you in a consensually non-monogamous relationship? Mm. The other two studies focus on, you know, why do people, why do people have sex? And do those reasons, um, are those reasons linked to, you know, how fulfilled they feel in their lives, how they feel in their relationships, how they feel satisfied or not in their relationships? And is this different depending on whether they are in, you know, monogamous or consensually non-monogamous relationships? So that's kind of the overarching concept for the three of those, those studies. Okay. Those are, those seem like, like the basic, like five W's of consensual non-monogamy like why would what are the what are the contributing factors to lead a person to want to have more than one Mm. partner and it might seem like a really simple question but i have a feeling that it's it's got more to it than we might suspect yeah so this study was one of it's one of my favorite uh research projects that i've done because you read through the data and it's just a a delight to read through it's it has a very um positive vibe of people just expressing their again i'm going to use this word authentic and it comes up a lot um their authentic selves and so based based on this study you know it appears that people have a multitude of reasons for engaging in consensually non-monogamous relationships and relationships of all forms. So this might be open relationships, polyamorous relationships, swinging, et cetera. And primarily, you know, their, their reasons are related to autonomy. So feeling that they have, Mm. you know, control over their own bodies um, and control over the way they connect with people. Um, Some of these are related to a, a belief system. Uh, so a belief that monogamy feels constraining and consensual non-monogamy offers more possibility for need fulfillment uh, mm. than monogamy does. Others discussed, you know, a belief that or a desire to connect with people in various ways. Uh, so there's this relationship component to it. Uh, so maybe that's, uh, you know, wanting to create intimacy, create a community of people with shared values. Um, and creating creating multiple relationships in a way that c- still maintains their relational integrity. So wanting to do this, but also wanting to maintain like honesty, communication, and trust. And then others spoke about reasons related to sexuality. So, and I think this is this is something that people their mind automatically goes to sex because mm. it's you know consensual non monogamy, and we're thinking um, you know sexual non-monogamy, but there's also an emotional component to this, a community component to it as well. But there, people did talk about sexuality and reasons related to sexuality. So wanting novelty, variety, um, excitement, or some people talked about, you know, there's a just desire discrepancy in a current partnership where, you know, one partner wants more sex and the other isn't interested in sex, or they want a specific type of sex and the other person is not. Hmm. Um, or perhaps you know exploring different sexual identities and expressions. So people wanting to explore their attractions to multiple genders, and they hadn't had the opportunity to do that, uh, you know, at other points in their lives. And so there's a lot of different um, components to this. And and still, people others talked about that it was just pragmatic for them. You know, they mm-hmm. lived in geographically um, different locations from a current partner. 
and they decided that to, in order to have, you know, they say their sexual needs met, they were seeing other people while they were doing that or a phase, a different phase of life. Um, when they were very busy during a particular uh, professional phase of life, for example, it made more sense for them to be able to do this. And there, there's a there's a vast variety of reasons why people uh, say that they are interested in doing this and, you know, also tied in with some of the benefits that they experienced as well. Hmm. Now, when you when you come across this this kind of information through this research, um, what like what goes through your mind like what 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 what's what can this information be used for i mean personally speaking like hearing you talk about these these themes or these these reasons why people um engage in consensual non-monogamy it i just i immediately had this thought of like oh you know what like that's not something that i've really been able to articulate in like if someone had asked me why, I don't know if I would have the ability to articulate exactly why until I just heard you go through these these um these findings of like what are the reasons why people engage in it? And you know, there was some reason reasoning there that I was like, no, nah, that doesn't really apply to me. But then there were some where I went, Oh, fuck yeah, that's me. Like that's me through and through. So I can see how this is valuable for me in hearing you say that, but like what what value does doing this research have in terms of like the the like the practical um usage for this information like how how does this information get used i think there's there's a couple of different things that i think about the first thing is that i i think it kind of helps to destigmatize uh cnm relationships mm. right because it kind of, it, it shows that uh, i think one you know one of the big stereotypes or myths that we have is that um you know cnn people engage in cnm either because they want to have sex with everybody or because there's something terribly wrong with their relationship or you know mm. there's often like a lot of a lot of stigma and framing of you know sex with multiple people as a as a negative thing um and i think that these this research is like showing that there's a lot of different reasons people do this and that there's also, you know, some different benefits from it as well, um, goes against some of those stereotypes that people have. So it can help to bring down, uh, start to destigmatize some of that, uh, some of those problematic stereotypes that we have. I think it also helps people, you know, kind of what you just said, like think about their own reasons mm. and you can think about, you know, we, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, I think, when we get to the sexual motivations piece, but our motivations have implications for our well-being, for our relational outcomes. And so if we can think about the reasons why we're doing something, are we doing this because we feel that this is actually going to help our need fulfillment, that this is, uh, you know, helping with some kind of growth or expansion or because we actually truly believe in it? Or are we doing this because we feel pressured from someone else to do it mm. and we're not actually that into it or we're afraid we're going to lose somebody? Um, what are people's, what are your own motivations for doing something? Because those motivations are related to how happy and satisfied you feel in your partnerships. And so having those, that thought process of why am I doing this and why are my, you know, maybe why are your partners doing that or partner and having those conversations together and kind of thinking about that and working through it might help you to think about where, um, 
you know, where, where there might be some gaps uh, or where there's places that are things that are going well, if it's, well, I'm doing this because it's very pleasurable. I get to connect with people. I'm feeling good. Um, and you can kind of articulate that amongst your partners, then, you know, that seems like a more positive kind of growth mm -hmm. communication piece and interaction. Um, but if there's some recognition that like, oh my gosh, I'm actually not feeling comfortable with this. And I feel like I'm afraid to lose somebody that is an entirely different conversation kind of can open the doors, I think for, mm -hmm. uh, again, growth, but also uh, reflecting on, you know, what needs might need to change in relationships in order to kind of move forward um, and make sure mm -hmm. everyone's in a good place. I would love to talk more about the, the motivation piece because that, that was the first sort of thing that I, I bumped up into in reading these documents. Um, well, the first thing was this self-determination theory approach. Does that have anything to do with motivations? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love self-determination theory. So I could talk about this for a long time. So if you have to edit things out, feel free. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Keeping it all. I love it. I love it. So the the prime self-determination theory is a framework that suggests that people have this inherent tendency to you know, develop this unified sense of self is, is the words by balancing these three psychological needs. So there's a need for confidence, which is, you know, feeling confident um, and experiencing like a sense of efficacy that there's a need for autonomy. So that agency, uh, you know, feeling that you've got like this sense of volition over your, your own behaviors and relatedness. So that desire to connect and be close to communities and, the theory suggests that people who, you know, function in a, in more self-determined ways or are able to kind of meet these three needs, so autonomy, confidence, and relatedness, um, you know, are more aware of their feelings, they're more aware of their sense of self, uh, they feel more fulfilled in life, and hmm. the, it, it also kind of encompasses this broad range of motivations that impacts how you're able to kind of access that fulfillment um, and meet those needs. And so within this theory, there's these different types of motivations that kind of represent this continuum of self-determination. So on one end, we have motives that we think of as, you know, autonomous motives, or we sometimes call them intrinsic motives. So this is where we're doing something because the act of doing it is pleasurable or fulfilling in and of itself. Um, you know, or, you know, we're doing it because, it feels, it feels good to do, it feels good to do the thing, but when we're thinking about sex, it's because, you know, that sex itself is enjoyable. Uh, we want to be close to our partner. We value sex. Uh, we think it's something that is, you know, reflective of who we are and it's important to us. And then at the other end, we have these reasons that are more extrinsic. Um, and so that would be, you know, having sex in order to manage kind of these external feelings. So, or external, external things that come. So things like feeling, man, managing feelings of guilt or shame. Um, so feeling like we have to do something, feeling pressured, feeling like, again, having sex because maybe there's conflict in a relationship uh, and you're not sure if you're able to maintain it. Uh, and then there's also this state of a motivation where you're engaging in sex and you, know, you don't really know why. Um, you don't feel like you have any control over that situation, or perhaps there's coercion as well. And so in these other, these other second, this, the second and third study that we've been, we've, uh, or that you've got uh, sitting there in front of you, 
you know, I wanted to look at like the different kinds of sexual motives on this continuum. Um, if people are having sex for these different reasons, how does that impact like how they feel? Does it impact how they feel um, in terms of their need fulfillment? Uh, and does it impact how they feel in terms of their relationship and sexual satisfaction with their partners? And is this different if they're in a consensually non-monogamous or monogamous relationship? Um, and you know, kind of what does that what does that framework look like? And I mean, if you have any questions about that, maybe I'll stop there and you can kind of, uh, we can get into the results. Yeah. After. I was like, should I raise my hand? Cause, <laughs> um, I, yeah. <laughs> I, do, I just wanted to know when you just said there, there needs the needs fulfillment. Are you talking about those three, um, yes. autonomy, confidence, and relatedness? Competence. So, competence. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Competence or confidence? Competence. So, I mean, the confidence is underneath that umbrella, mm -hmm. right? So it's feeling like you you are confident in you know whatever realm it is that you're kind of referring to that uh, you're capable of doing certain things that you feel good about your ability to do this the thing that you're you know what, whether that is um, you know talking about sex, whether that's we're talking about like academics, whether we're talking about job performance. This this theory has been used to kind of evaluate. Um, outcomes and motivations in, a, in lots of different realms. Uh, and I was mm. really curious to try to start applying it to more sexual and relationship uh, realms, especially with consensually non-monogamous relationships where people are having sex with multiple people. And there is kind of room to maneuver this, like um, these different reasons related to autonomy and people have a different approach to need fulfillment. And thinking about whether it would look different for people in monogamous versus CNM relationships. Right. So if I'm following uh, self-determination theory could be applied to say education or sex, or it's, it's just like, can I as an individual meet, have beef, have these three of needs fulfilled under the umbrella of my education or my sexual relationship? Cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Very, very cool. Is it, is this a, is this like a framework that like, like, is it a, th this might sound really dumb, but it, would this be considered like a, like a psychological framework? Is this, it, does this come from the world of psychology or, or, you know, like neuroscience? Like it seems very, it seems very, it seems to be steeped in like psychological wellness, you know? It's, it very much is a, it is a social psychology, um, social psychological theory of motivation okay, and okay. so yes yeah yeah you're totally right it is Great. really psych psyche sure sure perfect yeah <laughs> all right um okay let's continue <laughs> I, I, do you need to be prompted because i'm just hanging on here with the uh or or do you know where you're at where no, I, 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 mean, I can you. continue. I also want to make sure that like it's clear for your listeners and everything too because i know that these theories are very like this is a, it's a big complex theory and then like some of this research is like very complex too and its analysis and the way it's done so I don't want to like I don't want to make it too too challenging for people to understand so you I think I think me, you're doing a great job I, I okay. honestly I, like I look I'm I'm not gonna lie I'm I am I am as daft as they come so and I'm following along and I'm okay. loving it so okay so I, maybe, maybe like, I don't know if this would be valuable or not, but like, maybe we could break down the, it, like each element of self-determination theory, competence, autonomy, and r relatedness. And 
and how those things relate to consensual non-monogamy, how they relate to sexuality, um, maybe like starting with competence because I mean, maybe it's, maybe it is kind of like self-explanatory, like having, having confidence in, in being effective of, at, at dealing with the, you know, the, your sexual environment and, and like, mm-hmm. um, but is it like how, wh- what is it like, what are you looking for when you're studying competence under the umbrella of self-determination theory within a sexual landscape? That's a great question. So with these studies, um, we tend to, I mean, you can, you can study it in two different ways. You can study it with like, how did you feel in that interaction? Right. Uh, so did you feel like you had choice with your partnership? So that would be autonomy. Um, did, or did you feel like you had, you could, you could, you know, do as you liked or as you needed in that sexual interaction? Did you feel like you, um, were competent in your sexual skills in that sexual interaction? Mm. Did you feel connected to your partner in that sexual interaction? So we can, we can talk about it as, you know, during that particular time, how did you feel? And, you know, that gives us a little bit more precise um, data because people can usually remember their last sexual interaction a little bit more than say, in general, how do you, how do you approach this? But we can also ask them in general with your partner, um, you know, how do you, how do you see each of these needs being fulfilled? Mm. Uh, you know, do you, do you feel a sense of connection? Do you feel that your partner is, um, uh, sensitive to like your need for connection? Do you feel that your partner is attentive to your desire for like choice or I can't remember the framing of it. I can, I can actually pull it up and read you some of the items, but you can do it as looking at these things, each of these things within the sexual interaction itself. Or you can look at it more broadly with each partner. And in these studies, we tend to look at it within the, the sexual interaction with your with a particular partner. So, you know, we ask like with say a primary partner or the, the the person you last had sex with, did you feel these particular things, or how much did you feel these particular things? And and how come how come focus on the particular sexual interaction? Uh, rather than focus on the general broad scope of of all you know all current relationships or like your 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 past history of relationships because i hearing you say that i it makes me think like um you know if i was to think about my last sexual interaction with someone under this framework of self determination theory i feel like i was quite competent in that interaction i had full autonomy within that interaction. And I felt very um, connected and close to my partner in, in that sense of relatedness. But then when I think about like the overall arching self-determination theory framework from like that one relationship, maybe my, like my competence waxes and wanes and the autonomy isn't fully there and like realized. And the relatedness, like you know, same thing. Like, I can see how those two, those two things can be vastly different. You know, mm-hmm. even within the same relationship. Um, so what, like, how do you decide? I guess for what reason do you focus on the the one particular interaction in this research rather than focus on the relationship as a whole? Yeah. I, so I think it just depends on kind of. I think there's there's two things here. It depends on what 
kind of information you want to get. So um, in one of our studies, you know, we're following people over the course of 21 days and we're asking them every day, did you uh, have sex today? Uh-huh. What was that? Se- like it asked them questions about that specific se- sexual interaction and what were their motives on that particular day? Um, what was their satisfaction on that day? And what was their fulfillment like on that day? So we are asking them those specific like it is a very interaction specific thing. And then we, we kind of average it across, across and, and, and able, be able to kind of make those associations and, and look at links. Um, the other thing is that with self-determination theory, the idea that having more self-determined reasons for sex, so, you know, having sex for like pleasure or closeness um, or because you value it, you know, is linked to higher need fulfillment. So these Mm. autonomy, competence, relatedness needs, which is also linked to higher satisfaction. That would be true whether you're looking at the interaction level or like across the board. Um, So even if it fluctuates, if if one day you're not, you, you see this interaction where it's less autonomy, less competence, less relatedness, you'd still see like a lower level of satisfaction on those days. Right. So the idea is that the theory is kind of the same, whether it's on the interaction or like this kind of broader field, but um, you know, you're just measuring that a little differently. And I think, you know, if you want to look at the interaction versus uh, say one point in time when you're asking people generally, how do you feel about that partner? Like those, you could, you could get at it either way. Mm. Um, and, but like you said, like there, if you're looking at more general concept, the, the idea of those links and the, the association between those, those links would be the same. So while you were asking people these questions, it sounds like you were asking folks who were in both consensual non-monogamous and monogamous relationships. Did you find different motivations for both groups? Did they vary much? Yeah, so in one in our first um, sexual motivation study, we asked um, so a group of consensually non-monogamous people and a group of monogamous people, uh, and this was like at you know we just asked them once. This was one study where we just asked you know please tell us a little bit about your uh, general motivations and your sex with your partner, um, and we asked CNM people to report on their primary partner. And so the CNM and monogamous participants, I mean, generally people reported these self, more self-determined reasons for sex, right? So more sex overall, um, you know, those reasons related to pleasure, related to autonomy, related to valuing sex. However, the CNM participants were more like on average reported higher levels of, you know, in sex for the, just enjoying sex. Uh, for the sake of sex itself, um, and you know their own values regarding sex and relationships, and also there was there's a, a subcategory of this drive motivation, so feeling compelled by urges in the body, and so they also reported higher levels of sex drive motives, so compared to monogamous people, um, so those were the only differences that we found in that study. But we didn't find any differences. In, so we found differences in motivations, but we didn't find any differences in you know, levels of relationship or sexual satisfaction mm. uh, between these two groups. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Was there anything that like out of the study that 
stuck out to you as as quite surprising or or sort of like was was a bit of a yeah a bit of a, a bit, bit of a surprise for you and 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 the folks researching this i mean at, at that time we i think now we have like a pretty like robust and strong um evidence across like many different fields of not many different fields but to, across a lot of different studies like that looks at like these comparisons for cnm and monogamous participants on these indicators of well-being so say like satisfaction um, relationship trust passion love all of these things and generally across the board we find that there's either usually like no difference or sometimes cnm people report you know maybe higher levels of some of these um, sexual satisfaction, for example, uh, in some of the studies. So there's that, but at the time when I was doing this research, um, there wasn't as much, much of that out. And so I, I don't know if I was surprised, but I was interested and curious to see this because it's not, I also think that it's not just, um, the comparison, but adding in this idea about motivations, right? So the pattern is the same for the monogamous and CNM people. So what this suggests is that you know, the factors that impact satisfaction among these two groups work similarly. And so I think it's, it's nice to know that relationships, uh, regardless of whatever, what structure they're in, kind of share similar key foundational concepts. So when people feel in control of their sexual encounters and are engaging in sex because they value sex or they want to experience pleasure and closeness, they're more likely to feel fulfilled and satisfied in their relationships, mm. regardless of whether they're in a CNM or a monogamous partnership. And so I think, while it, it's not surprising, uh, I think it's important to, to kind of remember, remember that. And again, that can help with the destigmatization um, process as well. Yeah, definitely. Turn me on podcast. We'll be back after this short break. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Um, you mentioned a, a couple of different ends of the spectrum there of, of 
like you said, intrinsic motivation. So the activity mm. itself is pleasurable uh, or because they enjoy feeling close to a partner. And then the, the, um, um, then the other, the other, the extrinsic, uh, motivation of to manage feelings of guilt or maybe trying to keep a partner or, you know, it's because of more of an external pressure. But there was one thing in here too, that, that I had never, that kind of caught my attention and it was, um, um, individuals may also engage in sex for extrinsic reasons, um, that reflect volition and a person's values, such as having sex, because one feels that it's a central component of romantic relationships. So that, that seems to me a little bit different. That seems to me to, to say that some people it's, it's less about the pressure that they feel from a partner or socially and more just like this belongs in a relationship. Mm. So there's like a, a fine line there between a sense of expectation or pressure to just, I do this because I think it's, a, maybe it's not even that pleasurable, but I think it's important to maintain my relationship. Mm. Yeah. And, and I was just found that really funny to, to see that there in the middle of, of everything, because I've never heard that before, even though it kind of, it kind of resonates. You never heard what before? Yeah. Just like that particular part, that particular perspective. Not, it's not that it may not be that I like, I'm doing it because I want to, I'm enjoying sex and it may not be because I feel pressured to have sex. It may just be something that I do because like flossing my teeth, I know it's maintenance for yeah, my, myself right. and my relationship. Mm -hmm. Right. And it seems to me like that kind of motivation must be really like, it must be really difficult. I mean, or it must be like, mm establishing a new habit where you just make it a part of the routine. You know, mm -hmm. when I think about motivation, I'm like, how do I get more of that? How do I get more motivated? And I think a lot of people think about motivation mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's anything in there you can speak to, but. Yeah. No, I think that when you get it right in the middle there, it's actually also like right in the middle of that self-determination spectrum of motivations, right? It's it's not quite that intrinsic, you know, I'm doing this because I, I really value this as a, as a like, or not value this, I, I think it's because I'm, you know, I'm going to find it enjoyable and closeness and pleasure and all of those things, but it's also not like that desire for reward, fear of punishment piece that's more on the intrinsic end or extrinsic end. It is right in the middle there. Um, and it's in, it is a really kind of interesting way of thinking about motivations because I think that, you know, especially for, you know, certain groups of people in long-term relationships too, where it's, I'm doing this to maintain the relationship. I don't feel like terrible or bad, like, or like super happy about it, but I think it's important just to continue doing this. Mm. And it also kind of speaks maybe perhaps to that, um, you know, difference in spontaneous desire versus like the reactive desire where, you know, I'm going to do this because I think it's good for maintenance and maybe I'm not feeling like sexual desire right now, but once I get started, maybe I'll start feeling that. Mm. And then maybe, maybe it'll continue from there and it'll be like a really good experience. So that can also kind of help with motivation later on. 
Um, whereas the spontaneous desire is more like sex drive. I want to have this sex for a pleasurable experience right now. Um, and, you know, it, it looks a little bit different. So I wonder if it could be related to some of that as well. Mm -hmm. um, but it is an interesting, interesting piece that's kind of right in the middle there and a little harder to, I guess, untangle. Well, and it would kind of depend on like what, like, okay, so autonomy, competence and relatedness, like, can I still balance all those three needs if my main motivation for sex is maintenance, you know, right. like, can I still feel a really balanced level of autonomy? And oh, I guess only if I'm making that decision consciously, or if I'm making that decision consciously, then, then it could have a, a definite balancing effects to all three of those. Mm -hmm. It's like, I recognize this about myself. I'm owning it. I'm taking action. And I'm taking action. I'm going to be competent about it. Yeah. I'm going to nail it when I do it. <laughs> I'm going to feel really close to this person. And it's going to be good for my relationship. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. And probably my relationships with everyone, because if yeah. I'm, if I'm satisfied on, on this, on, level. These, on this level, then yeah. I'm more likely to be able to walk around with that yeah. in my day. I love this. It, I mean, we were, this recording's kind of been in the, in the works for a little while. And, and I know that these are, um, research topics that, that you've, been taking part in over the last little while what's like is there is there anything new that you're kind of looking to tackle or or that you're in the in the in the midst of 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 um researching right now yeah um i mean a lot of my my research right now is more focused on sexual health education uh and like policy development and and um sexual health outcomes but in terms of like this kind of area of research with relationship satisfaction, I'm very curious to, or in, in sexual motivation and, and consensual non-monogamy and on all of these topics. Um, one area that I, have, you know, we've collected data and there's that it's kind of a little bit on the back burner right now, but I'm hoping that we can uh, start working on it soon is we collected some data from people who are engaged in non-consensually non-monogamous relationships uh. through ashleymadison.com mm -hmm. and so i wanted like so i'm like okay we've got like monogamous people we've asked these questions we've explored consensual non-monogamy i'm really i'm also really curious uh to kind of unpack some of these ideas in people who are doing this but are clearly like, if you're on ashley madison like you're doing you're not there like you're you're there to try to hide it, right? Like you're mm. that's the, the point of Ashley Madison. Um, and there may be some consensually non-monogamous non people who are on Ashley Madison, but I do not think that they are um, the majority um, of people who are using that site. So we have collected data asking people about the reasons for engaging uh, in non-consensually non-monogamous relations. Uh, asking them about their need fulfillment. Uh, we've asked them about their partners at home or their like their primary partner and then they're not their Ashley Madison partner. Mm. Uh, and I'm really curious to kind of get into that. What's interesting is that, so you know how at the beginning um, of our conversation, I said that the qualitative research on the CNN people, the consensually non-monogamous people, when you read through it as a data set, it's just like 
I want to be authentic. Here's how I'm going against relationship norms. Here's how I want to be myself and I want to be fulfilled and have my partners be fulfilled. It's a very like positive read. I'm finding with the, the data, open-ended questions on Ashley Madison, Ashley Madison data, it's very different. Um, like it's an incredibly different feel because it's often, I'm doing this because I don't have a relationship with my partner. My partner isn't interested in me. I feel sad. I feel like I'm not a person. I feel like I'm not wanted. Uh, and so there seems to be this element of seeking out uh, some of some things that are related to these these um, these three kind of needs. Like I want to feel I want to feel alive. I want to feel like a competent person. I want to feel connected to another person. And then doing that through sex, but it's I just want to feel connection. Um, I want some need to, there's, there's a lack of fulfillment, but there's also like a desire to connect. And that I think is kind of a key difference in what I'm seeing between these two, these two data sets, um, and these two approaches. And so I think, you know, even just having conversations about the different options for relationship types and what motivations are, um, and how that can impact relationships, I think can really help people just think about what what they need and, um, you know, how they could maybe open up conversations in their lives, what, whatever that might look like, just to think about, um, you know, what's, yeah, think about how to open up conversations in their lives with partners or with people, other people in their lives to think like, how can I, how can I figure out a way to move in this world? Um, that's, you know, maybe it goes against the norm sometimes, maybe it doesn't, but like, how can I feel comfortable here and how can I feel autonomous and how can we just how can I just be feel better in this situation um and I think that you know the more conversations we have about that the better I I also got the same impression from these papers I was like this is all very very pleasant and especially the parts um that point out that um even when people are having um consensual non-monogamous relationships with secondary partners they're still reporting higher level of needs fulfillment and satisfaction in their primary relationships mm -hmm. which i'm going to just go ahead and assume that that's going to be different for the ashley madison yeah people. yeah i don't maybe. know though yeah maybe. maybe not i mean you like i, I also i just want to say that research is is fascinating to me that like I that is so interesting um I don't know why I always just thought Ashley Madison was like a scam you know like that it, it wasn't really real and now hearing that you're doing research on it I'm like holy fuck we got to get some from Ashley Madison to come on the show like this I got to talk about that they you have know, approached so us a couple of times actually and uh oh, have they? yeah and it just never it never really worked out and then I thought oh we got to go down there was that a road. major privacy breach at one point and I thought right. they yeah. got shut down so right, right, but right. Apparently, apparently they're still going strong yeah wow yeah they they did and then they they came back and uh it was apparently addressed their issues high, <laughs> high demand high demand yeah. service yeah, yeah. it seems yeah. so fascinating um, mm -hmm. I know we're getting short on time. Yeah. Is there anything that you think we should, we should talk about to sort of wrap this up in a, in a bow mm -hmm. for our listeners? Oh, I mean, I, I think maybe going back to that, um, idea that fulfilling, loving and respectful, intimate relationships 
do share these key foundational concepts, regardless of relationship configuration. So, you know, whether that is the processes of motivations and how motivations impact our well-being and our relationships, or whether it is good communication and like building trust and intimacy um, and, you know, being able to discuss needs in a non-judgmental way. I think that those foundations are really key to relationships, whether those, you know, are in consensual non-monogamous relationships or monogamous relationships. And, you know, thinking about the reasons why you want a specific type of relationship or why you want to have sex uh, can be really important. And so, you know, you can think about those things on your own, you can reflect on them. Um, and then think about why you would want to have a consensually non-monogamous or more monogamous relationship. Think about the reasons you're having sex and then think about what might have to happen in your relationship uh, for you to kind of move towards some of these more self-determined reasons for you to feel good and supportive uh, in your you know, journey towards those kinds of motivations, I think could be helpful for people thinking through how they want to move in their relational lives. Mm -hmm. I want to just, maybe we, maybe we don't go down this rabbit hole, but can you change your motivation? Can, can you, can you go from, if you, if you, maybe this is a rabbit hole. I'm just wondering, like when you say move towards a new motivation, <laughs> well, yeah, I feel like that's a whole other conversation. Well, you know I, I mean? no, I think that's a good question because I think it, it helps people reflect on what's going on in their life. So if I'm thinking about, oh my God, why have I had sex recently? And mm. I'm thinking, oh, it's because I really wanted to like get praise from my partner or, oh my gosh, it's because I was feeling really guilty because I went away too much or, oh my gosh, I felt like if I'm thinking it's, it's that, and then I'm like, well, and I know that those, those feelings are more in like the, you know, less self-determined. And I need more, I want to have more of those like other motivations, like what would encourage me? What kind of sex, what kind of relationship do I need? What kind of environment do we need in our lives in order to want sex for pleasure, in order to want sex for closeness? Uh, and, you know, what, are, what is missing in those environments or in those relationships? And can you cultivate some of those things so that you could potentially move towards some of those more self-determined reasons? Mm. Um, is the sex you're having the sex you want to be having? And if it's not, then that's, a, you know, another conversation to have and thinking about the kind of sex you, you want to have and, and what you need to do to like you, I, mean, I say you as in like you and part, your partners, obviously not the one person responsible, um, but like what could be done to kind of encourage that the kind of sex you want to have or an environment um, so that you're interested in sex for pleasure or interested in sex for closeness. And are you in a relationship where that's possible? Mm. That's a great answer. This is, uh, I mean, I said at the very beginning, these are my favorite conversations to have on the show with researchers about this this type of subject matter because it's always so fascinating. And um, I definitely, I, I'm, I'm probably not alone in saying that I'm walking away from this conversation with um, a little bit more knowledge on like my own self-determination theory state state Current and state. and and uh and and uh, what was it? it was fulfillment um my fulfillment needs and and how i can go about um fulfilling those needs uh uh <laughs> jessica it's always such a pleasure to have you on the show uh this has been really fun and so on behalf of myself and the listeners and bridey thank you so much this has been really great thank you for having me 
Well, there we go. Another conversation with another fantastic researcher. We're so lucky. I know. I know. I take it for granted sometimes. We're so lucky. I have a question for you. Yep. That what we were talking about, the self-determination theory. Yeah. And the three sort of psychological needs. Competence, autonomy, and relatedness. Mm -hmm. Something, this has kind of been sticking with me a little bit. Um, So we recorded this conversation with Jessica three days ago. And it's kind of been weaving in and out through my mind as like, if I have anything going on in my life and I want to look at it, in relation to those three points in terms of like, you know, like let's say this podcast, do I feel autonomous in this podcast? Do I feel competent? Mm. Do I feel a sense of relatedness? Right. You know, and I've sort of been applying it to different things in my life. And uh, it's been very thought provoking as well as like going along with the boundaries work that I'm still doing with Kendra Kunov. It's just interesting I wish I had more of that skill. Um, of thinking about things later? Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, I, 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 do, I feel like I definitely am on the spectrum of ADHD in, in some regard. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I know that if I got tested, they, it probably wouldn't come back like, you have severe ADHD, but it would be like, yeah, you have, like, moderate. And anyway, when we, like, when we finish recording the show, oftentimes... It's like as soon as the recording's over, boop. Like the thought, like I don't, th- I don't. You don't think, retain it. Yeah, like sometimes Leo will be like, "So what did you talk about today on the podcast?" And I'll be, and I'll be like, "Fucking, I don't know." Like I know. I mean, I can give you like the Cole's notes, like very bare bones, but I, I don't remember what was said. I don't remember, and like even this, this, you know, when we had that conversation with Jessica Wood about self determination theory. Yeah. When we're in that conversation. I'm going, "Fuck yeah, dude." Yeah. Yeah. This is like, I get this. This, this resonates with me. Self-determination theory. I should start like thinking about this more. Haven't thought about it until you just brought it up and I was like, (laughs) oh yeah, we talked to that, to that woman about that. But you're right. And you know, when I'm thinking about playing chess. Okay. Yeah. I feel, I don't feel, it depends on who I'm playing against. Yeah. I'll I'll feel competent. Right. But Uh, to, to to, to the patron that I'm playing right now who whooped me. And is continuously <gasps> whooping me. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> you are making me not feel competent. But you're challenging Growth me. Growth opportunities. Yeah. But I feel, auto- I feel autonomy there. But even with the competence piece, don't you think you could feel competent even when you're losing? Yes, of course. Yes. Because I'm, I'm competent in my, in my learning. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm learning. Yeah. I just started getting into... I just got into crypto. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm trading in crypto now. Oh God! And I and I actually I should I should take the self determination theory with me into this endeavor. Okay. Because I'm very excited about it right now. Mm-hmm. I wasn't ever going to talk about it on the show, yeah. nor was I going to talk about it on <laughs> Sick Boy, but it came up. Of course, um, it did. and I'm not going to talk about it much, but um, yeah, self determination theory. Like I, I, it's not just for relationships; it's for anything and everything. Well, I, I've been thinking about it in terms of school. Like, yeah. you know, if I needed any sort of validation that I'm doing the right thing and I'm in the right place, it's like, mm-hmm. it's it's that it's exactly the right amount and the right kind of challenge yes. that I can like meet, yeah. but still feel a sense of growth. 
And this is the thing about most of the stuff we talk about on the show when we talk about modalities and like theories on navigating relationship. It's like more often than not, you can always take whatever it is that we're talking about and apply it to other things in your life. Totally. Nothing is, you know, nothing is, uh, what's the, what's, what's the end of that phrase when nothing is <coughs> separate, but like, you know, some people would say the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. Yeah. Maybe that's, that's not exactly the same thing, but, um, but I've also been thinking about it cause you and I are both taking a, doing a 30 day alcohol free hiatus and we could talk about that for a minute. Yeah. We talked about that at length on, on this coming, this coming feel good Friday episode on sick boy. Well, I was thinking about it because what happens is like, I feel, so we're a weekend at this point, a few more days than that. Um, and I feel that this time I'm around, actually a weekend. I started Wednesday cause I had a movie. I had a thing that I was going to into. I didn't uh, tell you cause I was, I, mm-hmm. I didn't want to be that guy, mm-hmm. but I started Wednesday. Okay. So it is a week. So you're going right up to like what Christmas Eve then? I'm going to go to to the 23rd. Okay. Yeah. What about the big day with your friends from away? Are you going to make a special exception for that day too? Nope. Okay. Well, um, yeah. Well, that, I don't know. Okay. So this is really interesting, <laughs> right? Because we have different motivations yes. for doing this break, we I do. think. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I put a lot of thought into my relationship to substances because, you know, my parents are... Um, they've been in recovery forever and I've been long aware that I have addictive, t- like behavioral, uh, tendencies sure. with, with substances. Yeah. And so I, you know, this time has been a little bit easier, but I'm asking myself these questions. It's like my relationship with alcohol or my relationship with cannabis. Cause when I say drugs and alcohol, those are the drugs and alcohol, like I'm cannabis not, and booze. Yeah. yeah. And wine, to be specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, I, I'm not autonomous. I do not have control. Yeah, so I, it, again, only a week in, the first four days of that week were, and I can't, there, I, I honestly can't, I can't begin to describe how awful it was. Mm. And I wasn't ready for that. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I, so here's the thing is I've drank my whole life. Mm-hmm. My, I mean, my whole like adult life. Mm-hmm. And I'm never really one to drink and get totally plastered. Like that's a very rare occurrence. Mm-hmm. Um, but during the pandemic, especially during like early, l- like early, like, yeah. like lockdown wiping, like Lysoling our groceries pandemic. Like buying 12 bottles of wine at a time. So, you so could- I started buying a lot of beer yeah. at that time. And, and I was drinking not, again, not high amounts every day, but Consistent. every day consistently drinking some. Mm-hmm. And if you pull back and look at the week, mm-hmm. it's a lot for a week. Yeah. And the recommended daily like number of units for your gender is 14. No, no, it's not the daily unit. No, the weekly. That's the weekly, yeah. And mine is like anything above that is like is like uh, abusing alcohol. Yeah, yeah. Which mine was far higher than that. Yeah, mine too. So, so that was the that was when the pandemic, and and so I was drinking more than I ever have on a consistent basis because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Then the pandemic cooled off a bit, 
And but I kind of just kept up that habit because it felt really good. It, it, I, I, and I, I kept an eye on it because I was like, is this a negatively affecting my life? Mm-hmm. Is it affecting my work? Is it affecting my relationships? Is mm-hmm. it like and it wasn't re- like it was it to my knowledge, it wasn't. But in stopping, mm-hmm. I, kn- I realized very quickly how incredibly dependent I was on fear. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, the last like three or four days or three days, I've felt really great. I felt great, really clear, lots of energy, productive, yada, yada, whatever. Um, so it's definitely changing my entire relationship to alcohol and the conversation I had with the guys, they were like, do you think you'll go back to what you were doing before once this like little hiatus is over. And I, I don't think I will. Your tolerance is going to go way down yeah. as well. I, yeah. I don't think I'll go back to what I was doing, but I'm not, I'm, it's, I'm not going to stop drinking. Mm-hmm. Like, forever, yeah, you're not you know? sober now. No, no, no. Cause I like it. I like what I like the feeling of alcohol. I, I enjoy alcohol a lot. Um, but it did give me a moment. It gave me a moment of pause to go, Oh, okay. I didn't realize how, I didn't realize how much that vice was sunk its teeth into me. And it was, re- it was a really, no pun intended, sobering yeah. realization. Um, so, yeah, anyway. Whenever I take a break, the first day especially, first evening, and then the whole like next day yeah. is just like, I, I, I start noticing how frequently my mind goes to well, you could start tomorrow or, um, you could, how about you just, how about you just gradually taper out? So have just one glass of wine. Like I'll talk myself through all these scenarios of like bargaining with myself. Yeah. See, I wasn't having any of that. I was more so going, fuck, I can't fucking drink. (laughs) Like it was just that it was just like fucking fuck. That's good. You know? Although I will say this, non-alcoholic beer, there's some good ones out there. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. Upstreet, good job. Libra is great. And uh, this here, Budweiser actually makes a really good uh, zero alcohol. It's, I it's, might try it's quite, one sometime. I'm, quite not, nice. I'm not really into the, I've never been super into the carbonated beverages, but. Oh, it's great. If it ta- it might, it might just feel nice. I had an Erdinger. I guess there's. At, at a show the other night. That was okay. Erdinger, is that a beer? Yeah, it's like this big fucking yeah. bottle. Yeah, they're at bar, like typically at like most pub, pubs and stuff. Like, okay, it's like the it's like the old non-alcoholic beer. It's been around forever. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I guess um, there's non-alcoholic wine. There's probably some good non-alcoholic wine. Out yeah, there it's too. called grape juice. Welchers. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, I tried the grape. Uh, not grape. Um, yeah, it's a grape kombucha, and it's really wine-like. Right. Except okay, for yeah. carbonated, but it has that right taste. So anyway, yeah, I, um, uh, but the, re- so the reason why I stopped drinking is because I wanted to just be really clear when I start Trikafta mm. so that I can have a, so I can really just like actually feel what, what it's going to do to me, like how yeah. it's going to make me feel different without any kind of like cl- clouded judgment. Yeah. Um, and here's a crazy thing. I picked up my Trikafta today. Wow. And for anyone listening who might have no idea what you're talking about? <coughs> Tricaft is essentially, um, it's not a cure for CF, but it's like, it's the first, it's the, 
it's a drug that treats at the at the source. So it doesn't treat the symptoms; it treats at the source, like at the genetic level. Wow! So it's like a genetic modulator. I think is the technical term for the drug. Um, and I start it. The first dose will be tomorrow morning. Wow, babe! Yeah, it's fucking intense. Do you feel like are you marking the are you marking the um sorry just watching donut try to climb onto the table peanut furniture um yeah are you marking the occasion in any other way obviously there's no like drink celebration but how about like some some journal writing or a nice bath with some candles to mark this transition in your life i'm just gonna start taking it okay yeah with a fatty meal okay as required sounds good yeah so not cereal for breakfast no i gotta gotta get some like eggs and bacon Mm mm-hmm so yeah, it's a, that's, it's an exciting time. I, and, and, uh, it's fucking annoying. I put a story up on my Instagram and so many people, thank you so much. All the, I don't want to sound like an asshole. It's really nice. To, people are blowing up your phone, but my phone is just blowing up and it's, <laughs> I'm like, why did I put a story up? I, I, I knew this would happen. Yeah. You know, you can um, turn off all those notifications, right? I should. You, I should do that for the next, next week. Vice. Because your phone pops, dings, and vibrates. Got to keep an eye on that crypto market. You know what I'm saying? I guess. But maybe that has something to do with your borderline ADHD <laughs> yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, really love that, ch- that conversation with Jessica Wood. Uh, I mean. Really good food for thought. Yeah, for sure. Uh, listen, um, we got a letter. Yeah, we do. And I, again, no explicit uh, permission has been given to use names. So I'm just going to use uh, your initials L-O. And, um, we'll just stick with Guilin. Go, go oh, yeah, Guilin. Back, to, back to the OG Guilin, but I, I also want uh, L-O to know that, um, that I'm reading their email. Um, so well, Guilin. They wrote it. They'll hear it. They'll go, that was me. That's true. This, uh, this, it's odd. this is a throwback. Someone wrote something the same as what I wrote. <laughs> but her name was Gwendolyn. Yeah. Um, not Gwendolyn. 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 Gwendolyn is a character in a short film that I'm making for a school project. Gotcha. Uh, okay. So, um, this uh, email is in reference to something we talked about on our 201st episode about, um, how to mark oh, yeah. special occasions with loved ones in in maybe different ways. And we loved hearing uh, your stories and we'd love to hear more. So with more holidays coming up, um, perhaps you can send us your uh, traditions. Yeah. So, hi, Bridie and Jeremy. Hello. I'm just listening to episode 201 and I love your discussion about your anniversary weekend. My husband and I are in a pretty conventional relationship, but I wanted to share our last big celebration because not many people get a milestone like this. Our birthdays are exactly two days apart, and we started dating less than three weeks before we turned 16. We're 33 now, and we were able to celebrate or calculate the day we had been together for half our lives. Wow. Which was approximately five weeks before our 32nd birthdays. We had all our close friends over for a night of celebration, and it was so nice that they could spend our half our lives together day with us. That is so cool. That felt like a much cooler and more important milestone to us than our wedding anniversary since we didn't get married until we were 27. The usual timekeeping (laughs) that starts at the marriage date ignores so much of our time together, so isn't nearly as fun. Mm. 
If you're still sharing these stories, you can share this one too. My mom will be excited to hear if you do as she listens to you too. Aha. Hope you're all doing great and so glad to keep listening to season three. Well, that's fucking cool. Thank you. Yeah. Congratulations on half our lives together. Half our lives together day. That's really cool. That's wild. I I have besides like the people, you know, in my family, there is and this this milestone passed a while ago, but um it just comes to mind because my best friend, my long like my oldest friend from grade four, ten years old. Mm-hmm. Um, well, well, I'm obviously 37 now. We were hanging out last weekend and I was like, yeah, you know, we were referring to something and I was like, well, that was 25 years ago. That's insane. Yeah. I've known so I guess her for more, I, like we've been besties. since. You and I wouldn't be able to ever celebrate this, right? Because of the gap in our age. Mathematically, that doesn't make any sense, right? Well, I feel very pressured to f- figure this out on, like in this recording, but we would have like, to let's be... say we let's say we started dating when I was 21. Yeah. So when you're 42, <coughs> I'll it would have be been my with... half. Yes. Of my life, but it won't be yours. No, it won't be half. Of... So we won't actually be able to do that. No. Yeah. You we would have to. We'd have to find calculate some mean average date. That yeah. We know. Maybe yeah. we'll get back to you with that date and um and make it a like a special date. Yeah, but it's not it's not gonna be real. It won't be perfect. Yeah. Not like you two. It'll be fake half half your our yes. lives together day. Oh well. Uh folks, hope you enjoyed this episode. We really appreciate each and every one of you, especially our patrons. Oh, patrons, thank you so much for all your support. Yeah. We wouldn't be here without you, and that's no joke. And if you want to be a part of um of that, of of us being here and you playing a role in keeping us here go to patreon.com slash turn me on and uh, show your support and uh, if you want to support in other ways you can leave a rating or review on apple Podcasts or just hit follow on spotify and uh, oh and you know if you've been jamming on spotify and you you uh, saw your yearly wrap up uh tag us on instagram i'd love to see the hours put in hours put into turn me on podcast yeah and if you want to send us a story uh, or reach out to us. We love hearing from you. Just who's listening, who's out there, what you're up to, why you are listening. We love to hear any and all of it. Yep. And uh, and we just hope you're taking care out there. That is it for this week. Until next week. Go touch yourself. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.